Welcome to the Lightly Salted Podcast. These are the readings and sermons of St. John's Lutheran Church of Park Rapids, Minnesota. They are offered so that the Word of God would shape and strengthen you to be what He calls you to be, salt and light. You can find us at stjohnspr.org. Now, on to the Word. The Old Testament for the first Sunday in Lent is from Genesis chapter 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on, his son, laid it on Isaac his son. And he went in and took the hand, the fire, and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father, and he said, here am I, my son. Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to a place which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. There Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here am I. He said, do not lay your hand on that boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As this said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. The angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from him and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading is from James chapter 1. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. 
Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. This is the word of the Lord. I invite the congregation to please rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the gospel of our Lord. Good morning. Grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, you might have noticed that our static slide on the screen already, but if you haven't, I want you to commit that image to, to, to your heart right now, to your mind. Remember it, because it's the image that we're going to be talking about here in this sermon. That image before. Tolkien, who wrote the, uh, the Silmarillion back in the last century. Books that have truly shaped our modern understanding of fantasy and fiction, these genres so widely popular in our culture today. And see, these books have been around forever, well, from the last century. But they've been shaped by his experience from world from World War I. Now published in the days following World War II, but this image before you is from the film adaptations that were made back in the early 2000s. Uh, great, great books and wonderful movies. Please, I ask you, watch them, enjoy them. Now these books and movies work to tell an amazing story, a great battle between good and evil, where champions arise from different lands, tribes, languages, and the most unlikely of places, coming together for the sole purpose of rooting out evil once and for all. Much like a gardener roots out that weed that just keeps coming back. Now as this battle rages, Tolkien does this wonderful job of not covering only just a range of emotions in, our, in these characters, but working through the eternal battle found in each character in his book. How each one is struggling with some temptation, some trial, and is being tested in one fashion or another. And throughout the books, you see how these characters develop. How some work to overcome generational hatred. 
Others work to see themselves as being worthy heroes who have the same right to fight and defend the land just as anybody else. See, these are very similar to what you and I already encounter in this life. Okay, sure, we're not going to battle against dark creatures from the deep. But a lot of what Tolkien covers in his books is found in our world. What he used to make these characters real, believable, is what he saw from his time in the war. World War I, where he truly saw the ugliness of man. And the battle and the war and how people died. Friends losing their lives left and right there in the trenches. That is how he captures this image before you. An image, a creature that is truly the hideous, sinful side of man. And from that, that is where Gollum is born. The hideous nature of man. That is what Gollum is, a creature who has become broken, corrupted, and twisted into this lesser, truly grotesque creature that lies before you. A creature that has forgotten anything from its former life. There's no memory of light, no memory of joy, no memory of the joy that he had from fishing. All he is is something else. There's no shred of the man, sorry, hobbit that he once was before. He has become a creature who has given mind, body, and soul over to his own darkness. Even committing acts of murder, deception, violence, all for the sake of keeping his precious, that stupid one ring, the one ring to rule them all. Now, if you recall from our readings, there isn't a mention of any one ring. There's no fellowship making its way to mortar, nor is there a wizard coming to take us on a long and unexpected journey, though as fun as that might be. But what we find here in our readings is a creature of Gollum, something that is warned against, especially in the Epistle of James. The Epistle of James is this wonderful epistle that highlights and focuses on what Christian life is to be like. How we as Christians are to live, interact, and engage the world around us. Engaging our neighbors on a daily basis. And how we are to interact with each other. This is what we find in his epistle. And see, in the very first chapter, James encourages all these Christians to whom he is writing to, to remain steadfast in the Lord, regardless of what trials or temptations come their way. Remind them to turn to God always. To look to Him for help in these struggles, in these situations. No matter what. This is what He gets across. He gets across that they are not alone in this struggle. They don't have to face these trials and temptations by themselves. But when we come to the end of that first chapter, there's a warning like a giant billboard sign along Highway 71 saying, danger ahead if you continue down this path. Just listen to what he writes. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, 
and he himself tempts no one. But each person, when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives, brings forth death. That is real danger. No, seriously, take that in for a moment. Ponder that. James is staying clear as day that should anyone be enticed by their own desire, by their own lust, there is only one outcome. Death. So what we here have before us is a battle for our soul. Sure, this battle doesn't include swords, bows, or dancings of the dark as found in the world of Tolkien. But it's a battle nonetheless. A one that's taking place day after day. It is a battle that everyone will go through at one point or another in their lives. Regardless of what age you are, all will face this battle. Especially as we live in a sin-fallen, sinful world. And the worst part? You and I are our own worst enemy. See, we want this battle to be over. We want to have to not worry about being trapped in sin. Which is why we pray the Lord's Prayer for such deliverance from anything that could lead us away from God. But that's the goal of these temptations. To drag us away from what actually matters. Drag us away from the light of the cross, from the light of Christ. Taking us further and further away from Christ and His Word. But in the process, something else comes up. We have this tendency to blame others. We can blame, blame them for putting such distractions, some such temptations within reach, catching our eyes and twisting our minds. And there's plenty of truth to that. Just look at the downstream effects that have been noted on the human brain from having such readily accessible to platforms. Look at the newest lawsuit coming out, suing social media companies for the manipulation, the damage, and the toll they're putting on kids. How our brain is being rewired, literally neuron to neuron, changing, making it easier for us to think, oh, that's okay, that sin is fine. I like that. And it can be from anything, not just the internet whatever you have access to. And thus, it becomes this greater and greater, stronger desire for that new high. Be it from drugs, self-gratification, convincing ourselves that we can find peace and comfort in this world around us from such objects that offer immediate happiness. Something tangible. Because we convince ourselves that peace and comfort can't come from God and His Word. It has to come from something real, something that you can touch, something like this remote. That is how, that is how we, have, our, we have shaped ourselves, how we are being shaped by this world around us. And that is real danger. 
and don't believe me? Look at the screens. That hideous creature, that nasty, filthy, decrepit thing is inside all of us. For that is what Gollum is. A physical representation of our old Adam. That is what Tolkien gets at in his book. When sin gives rise to sin, or how does, how does James put it again? Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. That is what is seen. It is that nasty, filthy creature. This is the thing that wants to feed on our sinful desires. That wants to control our every action from the moment that we awake to the moment our head hits the pillow. That thing. That is a part of us. But rather being tempted and enticed by the lies and, and the lies of this world of the devil than hear anything that is found in the Word of God because that wants us to drag us away. Our own human sinful nature. This is part of our nature that wants to drive us away from the light of Christ, from the light of the cross. That marvelous light that we have found, that, that has found us and drive us further away to the darkness of this world. And much like how Gollum in the books drives himself away from his own community because he has found solace in the darkness of caves than a community of his fellow hobbits where his sin can go unchallenged. So where do we go from? Where do we go from from here? Shall we be driven to despair? Despair over the fact that there is a part of us that welcomes these enticements, these allurements, these temptations, these lies. Or is there some hope in this daily battle to put away that cursed old Adam? There, there is. There truly is. Even while James is issuing these dangers, warning Christians to watch out, of their own sinful desires, there is hope. No, it's not Prince Charming riding in on his white stallion to save the day. It is God. It is Christ. God is the one who will drive away this old Adam. It is God who has the power and authority to quench the fallen sinful human nature that is found in man. Hear what James proclaimed in his letter. Do not be deceived, my brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. There's no need to worry, there's no need to fret, there's no need to fear. This is a cause to, re to rejoice, to celebrate. For here James reminds his recipients that what they have from God through faith in Christ is a good gift, a perfect gift. From the Father they have received wisdom, exaltation, a new life. A new life. A new creation. They have been made new in the gifts from the Father. And no one can take this away from them. No one can give them anything better that this world has to offer. And the best part? 
these gifts that James mentioned are given freely by the will of the Father. They're given and needed to help in this daily battle with trials and temptations. And we haven't even gotten to the best part. When James records, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. He's reminding them that they are now first fruits. They're not second pickings. They're not something found in the bottom of the barrel. But they are the part of the best harvest. They are made new, no longer seen as something that is spoiled. And they are given this in the sacrament. Especially found there in the waters of holy baptism. Where the old Adam is drowned daily. And what is brought forth then is a new creation. Made new by the Father. Where they have been robed in the righteousness of Christ. No longer being shrouded in the darkness of this world. And just hear what one had to say about this sacrament. From Cassiodorus in our own notes in our Lutheran, Lutheran study Bible from the 6th century, he writes, By holy baptism, he declared us to be begotten freely, not by meriting, so that in, by a new restoration, we might be born into his family. This is a gift. Not one that we buy, not one that we can do on our own, but one that is given freely by God through faith in Christ. And thus these Christians, indeed all Christians, can confidently face these struggles, these trials, these temptations. They don't have to fall to the weight, to the might of that old Adam any longer. <clears throat> and just like those Christians whom James wrote about in his epistle, so too can you and I enjoy these wonderful gifts. And indeed, we have. It's amazing when we get to see new ones brought forth into the family of God through the waters of baptism. When we ourselves are bathed in the waters there as well. Made new. Brought forth as a new creation in this world. Not something that is spoiled. Not something that's bottom of the barrel or second pickings. It's something wonderful. And indeed, we are a new creation. For we can enjoy these gifts because by, by the grace of God alone that we can enjoy them. For you and I have been encouraged to turn toward God in all circumstances because of these gifts. He encourages us. He fights for us. And indeed, He already has through His Son. He reminds us to turn towards Him in these trials and these temptations. To look toward Him for help and strength for all these struggles. And indeed, we are reminded day after day that our old Adam is drowned in the waters of baptism. And what is left is a new creation. A new Adam. Done so freely by the will of the Father through faith in Christ. Yes, trials and temptations will come. There's no getting around that. It's an unfortunate reality of this sinful world. But unlike everybody else in this world, we don't have to get bogged down by the old Adam who wants <clears throat> nothing more to drag us away from the Word of God, away from Christ. But yet, as this daily battle goes on and on, day after day, and will continue until the day of our Lord's return, 
But the best thing is, we don't have to face these trials and temptations alone. We have been given that promise, that reminder that God is there. Christ has faced these struggles just as we have. He knows what it's like to be tempted, to be tried. But yet Christ knows that we can't do it alone. That's why He went into the desert in the first place. To face what we have to face on a daily basis. But yet in Christ, we are given the strength. We can confidently face these struggles, these temptations, and be reminded that we don't have to do this alone. For we have Christ. We don't have to sit there in that darkness or be driven away to some random cave and hiding because our sin wants us to do that. We don't have to be like that creature, Gollum. For we have one who is right there in the midst of everything with us day after day. That's the best part. And see, in the world of Tolkien, these books filled with adventure, heroes, champions from all over who conquer their fears. Even though there's so much fear, hatred, and indeed, the deceptive nature of man in founding these books. It never wins. Evil never takes a foothold ever again. Good defeats this evil. That's a great reminder for you and for I. And indeed, evil will never win. Satan will never win, for we have Christ. The battle is over. The war has been won. And so just like that old Adam, like that creature, Gollum, it too will fall away. It too will be lost to the pages of history. Well, we will be free, and indeed we are, through Christ. What a joy and blessing that truly is. To know that we have one who fights for us on our behalf, in our midst, day after day. Amen. Thanks for listening to Lightly Salted. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at stjohnspr.org or look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our thanks to Eric Medeish at soundimage.org for Morning Jew. God's blessings.